Hello and welcome to Is This Room Free? My name is Martin Drake and I'm an ex-HR professional who is now the founder and managing director of Hire People, a recruitment business that is raising the standards in the way recruitment agencies operate. In this podcast, I will be talking to HR professionals and listening to the stories of their careers. I will be finding out about the journeys they have taken and what they've learned along the way. The purpose is to help others in the profession identify and understand the various paths available and take inspiration from my guest speakers. Whether you are someone who is looking to get that first step on the HR career ladder or an aspiring HR director, I hope you get value from my conversations. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. This week on Is This Room Free? I'm delighted to be joined by Maria Hawley. I've become a bit of a fan of Maria, having seen many of her posts on LinkedIn, and asked her if she kind of liked to come on the show. Thankfully, she said she'd be pleased to, and here we are. Maria is a HR director, but is someone who believes passionately about HR's role in ensuring how an organisation treats their employees. This has led to some amazing initiatives that she kindly shares during our conversation. She has worked in both the public and the private sectors, honing her skills as a HR practitioner and learning best practice along the way. It was an absolute pleasure chatting to Maria, so I hope you guys all enjoyed listening. Hi everybody, thank you for joining me once again. Um, So we've had a little bit of a break on the podcast for the last uh, last three weeks. Needed a bit of a break after 30 episodes and I personally had a, a lot of stuff kind of going on at my end. So it seemed a, a poignant time to be doing it. But we're back this week and I am very, very excited because I've been looking forward to having this lady on the podcast for, um, I think we've been chatting for probably a couple of months of trying to get this one lined up. Um, so Maria, would you just like to introduce yourself to the audience of, of who you are and what you're position is and and what you do. Okay so uh, I'm Maria Hawley, Uh, I'm the HR Director at a property consultancy business Um, and I uh, sort of have responsibility for strategic um, and complex operational issues. Fantastic and the reason I want to or wanted to get you on is you are probably one of the most um, consistent posters on LinkedIn. You always put you put humorous posts on there. You put insightful posts on there. You, I just I just love seeing the posts that you put up, and and it's always just brings a bit of a smile to my day. And it's it's you know, there's not a lot of HR directors who probably maybe consistently market themselves I don't know if that's the right phrase but you certainly you're very engaging on on LinkedIn as a platform so if anybody um, doesn't follow you I would highly recommend that they connect with you on LinkedIn to see some of the both the insightful but also some of the 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 funny stuff that you put on there as well and that's that's kind of why I wanted to get you on we ended up um, having a chat and um, and then I learned about some amazing stuff that you you do within the organization um so I was like right let's get let's get this sorted and here we are today so so let's go way 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 back when actually I, I said too many ways that it makes you sound old <laughs> let's let's just go I am. Way back. I am. <laughs> <laughs> so I know let's go back to the beginning that's a that's a very generic way of, of phrasing that so what made you want to get into to HR did you go to university or anything uh I didn't go to uni I um I didn't, wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, um, so I went off to college to do my A-levels and my mum made me do typing with it because um, her expectation was I would come out and be a secretary and um, there was always a requirement for secretarial. Um, but then I decided that I thought I would like to do nursing Okay. and decided that uh, that was for me. Um, and I went off and applied uh, for psychiatric nursing um, because um, I had a real interest in kind of sort of mental health and well-being, as it is, you know, not as it sort of is yeah. now, but sort of, you know, we're talking quite a few minutes, sort of 
years ago. We don't put a number on it. We won't give you age. <laughs> a, a few you. years ago is fine. Yeah, a few years ago. Um, and so I applied and I got in and I realised that very early on it wasn't for me. Why? Um, I loved people. I really loved people. Um, but it was the... We weren't solving anything. Um, There's a lot of, I'm, I'm sure it's very different now, but there was, there back then there was a lot of red tape um, around sort of the NHS um, and what we were doing. And you were just still sort of seeing the same people come back in. Um, problems haven't been sort of sorted or sort of resolved. So almost Resources, no, kind of like no root cause. It was just putting a plaster on it every time. Uh, absolutely this is it and you know and I'm never one to just put the plaster on you know I want to kind of get it sorted and kind of sort of uh, so um but it took me a long time to admit it to, my, it to myself even you know that this wasn't sort of the, the well it's hard isn't it when you've committed to something yes and you, go, you know it's not right but you almost feel um you're letting yourself down, you're letting the people around you down by saying, you know, it takes a brave person to, yeah. to stand up and go, this isn't right for me. I'm not happy. And yeah. I mean, completely. You know, I'm yeah. spending so much time at work. I want to go and be happy in doing what I'm doing. But it, and, uh, sorry to interrupt. That, that's a big philosophy for me is that you do spend a lot of time at work. You know, you only get paid once a month or once a week, um, you've got to do the, the rest of the time there and you have to enjoy it. And that's really important for me is that people, you know, particularly where I am in a position that I am now, is that I want people to enjoy it. I don't want people to have that Sunday night feeling. Does that, does that kind of principle stem back from that experience that you had then of doing something that you weren't happy in, do you think? Yes, and I, and I think also there's a massive um, pressure on um, people coming out of sort of school and um, uh, uni um, that they have, it's almost like it's a life decision. It's a life or death decision on the career that you pick. And, um, you know, and if you pick the wrong thing, oh my goodness me, you know, you're a, a failure. And, and that's not the case at all. People change careers all the time. They change them in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, and I think that is really important. I, I had a realisation of this. So when I, I was in recruitment for 10 years, for the first 10 years of my career, and we got to the middle of the recession and I was, the company had changed. I won't go into the reason. The company had changed. I didn't believe um, that uh, strategically they'd made the right decision. So I was kind of looking to move. And I, and I was having a bit of a reflection about my life. And, and I thought, right, I'm 30 years old. I'm actually like deep into my career. But then I, when I when I stood back, stood back and reflected, I thought, well, if I work till I'm 60 or in my 60s, I've actually only worked for a quarter of my career. So even though I feel like an adult, I'm 30, I'm 10 years into a career, I've still got three quarters of my working life ahead of me. Yeah. I could easy change and do something yeah. else. But you, you've got to kind of very much kind of take a big step back and look at it very very helicopter view to to appreciate that but actually that that's the facts you know if you are going to work that long in your 30s you're still only as depressing as that almost sounds you're still only a, a very small fraction of your way in at that point absolutely and you know and you spend so long sort of in your career and at work that not enjoying it and not doing and finding sort of your passion um, actually is kind of sort of, I think, very depressing. You know, you've got to really kind of sort of enjoy what you do. So um, so how did you find HR then? So you were, you were in the nursing like, role, didn't like it. Yeah. And, and sort of before I'd, um, one of the things that I had expressed an interest in was, um, it used to be industrial relations, which then moved into sort of personnel. Um, and it, 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 I, that was an interest to me, but it wasn't something that I'd sort of actively pursued. I, and I thought, no, nursing was the thing. It offered me what I would think would be a good career, um, sort of um, 
and you know uh, opportunity to sort of do different things explore different disciplines and I thought that would be right for me because I love variety um and so um but then you know became apparent that it wasn't and, and so the things came together my um uh husband got a job uh, in a different part of the country um and we moved and I just didn't go back in to nursing I took it as the opportunity to right. to actually sort of take a break um and so uh we then I then thought well what can I do I can type <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Mom. I could say. Right. And, and um, I'd also been adamant that I didn't want to work in an office. So uh, I then went and got my sort of foray into sort of working in um, office. I did a variety of um, sort of roles, um, lots of uh, different businesses, predominantly professional services, legal, um, accountancy, but, you know, a range of others as well. Kind of where that typing role kind of sat back then, wasn't it? It was more in those kind of professional services type businesses. Absolutely, yeah. And then kind of sort of admin, um, off, you know, kind of sort of um, office management. Um, uh, and I did a, a stint um, and I was really lucky, uh, and I class myself really lucky, to have a fantastic um, managing partner uh, where I just went and sort of said, you know, I, I was getting involved in all aspects of sort of HR anyway, in an office management role. Um, and I just went and sort of said, you know what, I really, I think this is what I really like. Um, would you sponsor me to do my CIPD? And she went, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Um, and so I was lucky enough to get sponsored and I then um, uh, was doing... Um, not just in sort of the office I was working in, I was doing projects uh, across the business, across the organisation, um, and I was looking after, you know, I was managing teams, I was um, reloc- doing relocations and restructures and um, all sorts of sort of things like that. Um, and it just gave me the best base sort of knowledge and experience kind of sort of, possible um i worked with a different range of sort of um line managers um exposure to um different parts of the organization um and so i had what was, I just had what, was the, what was the size of that organization then we we part of a broader hr team uh so there was it was uh, about a thousand strong um, and there was a, a large um, function in London, um, you know, sort of um, uh, HRD, um, HR sort of managers, which would you would say would be HR business partners now, strategically looking after areas of the business, um, and uh, sort of L&D and uh, training and all sorts of um, areas, graduate sort of recruitment, which was as a specialist on its own. Um, and then I, I was in another, I worked in two of the other offices, you know, I worked, I'd worked in uh, Reading and Sheffield um, and um, just did a, a, a range of sort of projects and work. And I would say um, had a ball and worked um, with some really great and inspiring people. You know, I was, I was really lucky. It was the best foundation ever. Which, which organisation was this then? So this was so this was Nabarro, so this was a law firm. Okay. So you were you were there for oh, seven years, if my maths is about right. Uh, well, I did a stint before that, so I'd done like six years with them before that. I went okay. and did um, I did a, a sort of a HR admin role um, outside of the business, and then we had a discussion about me sort of going back in. So I went back in. Um, uh, and um, and then sort of did seven years with them, yeah. Wow. So, you, I mean, that sort of exposure that you're talking about is um, it's amazing to be able to get such breadth of experience. Yeah. Um, do you think it was, I mean, kind of listening to you talk as well, you know, my my entry into to HR was, um, what, about a decade ago now, Um 
obviously kind of only learned about HR kind of around that that time point. I'd, I guess in my career, I knew HR was always a department that existed, but um, because of working in the recruitment sector, you they weren't kind of visible because you were you were an isolated branch. You know, I worked for a big global company and HR were based at um, down at head office in London. So I didn't really see them very much. It was just something that I knew of and didn't really understand what they did. But listening to you talk um, about, you know, the HR managers being akin to a, a business partner nowadays and working quite strategic, was that quite forward thinking for an organisation back then? Or was that was that kind of common structure and and really what we do nowadays is very similar to what we did you know a couple of decades ago i think they were i think they were um and probably are because they, they merged in with two other organizations a forward thinking company i mean certainly at the time they felt that they were ahead of the game that's what i mean because if i just think back to kind of you know if i think back to my knowledge of almost like the history of hr and we're kind of still driving through it now, aren't we? And we're really trying to um, talk about the, the impact and value that HR can bring. And it's, you know, it is a it is it is a value add function rather than a compliance function. Yeah. But if I think back to kind of, you know, the days of personnel, which is probably about the time you're, you're talking when organisations mm-hmm. were still coming out of a, the personnel era into the more modern HR. Yeah. Um, I imagine as you're, as you're coming out of that, um, again, just, you know, kind of talking it through in my head of almost my my perceptual knowledge of what it would have been, it is moving away from just a, a higher fire, compliance, keeping records, yeah. very simplistic um, yeah. approach to HR. To listening to you talk about an organisation like that, it just sounds very, very innovative from a HR perspective. Yeah. I, I mean, I... I really felt that they they were, and some of the projects that we did were were brilliant. Um, we decided, um, you know, you talked about sort of professional services being sort of um, heavy on the sort of secretarial side, um, and one of the things that tends tends to happen is that um, secretarial staff um, don't necessarily get invested in. You know, they're just expected sometimes just to turn up, turn it out, go home. Type in pool. Um, yeah, you must type at 80 words per minute. Completely. Right, you're in. There you go. Yeah, you're in. Just sort of crack on. Um, and so one of the things that we did was that we um, made sure that they all had a Microsoft Office specialist, specialist qualification. Ah. So, you know, that could be, in, I mean, they could have, they could do all of them. Uh, the, the, but we sort of said, do it with Word or, you know, Word and Excel or Word, Excel and Out, Outlook. And sort of we started to, you know, so we raised the star, sorry, raised the bar and then uh, raised the sort of the, the reputational and sort of respect, you know. So here are, you know, professionals in their own right, you know, sort of coming in and, um, you know, utilising their skills and ability it makes sense. The offering that we're giving to the client. It makes sense logically. Uh, yeah. The you know computers were coming more kind of paramount at that point yeah. in time. Microsoft Office was the prominent package. Yeah. If that's the if that's the software system that you're going to be using daily, let's send you on a training course so you yeah. you can use it to the maximum yeah. of its capabilities. It, it, yeah. There's a logic there, but. There is a logic there, but also the sort of the investment in the qualification, because that's their qualification, that's not ours. Yeah. You know, that's not the business's qualification, it's their sort of qualification. And it you know, it comes to the helps of skills, skill them. And that and, and it was of its time. You're right, computers were just sort of, you know, becoming more prevalent. People were starting to have them at home. Um, and it just it really took off. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's only a small point, this, but it is quite significant because we don't provide. If you think about the software packages that we use every day, it's broad brush. It is Microsoft Office. You know, we're starting to use more about kind of video technology and um, and um, team based systems. Um, I'm trying to think what the the I can't think what it's called. Off the top of my head now, but. Um, like huddle kind of group ones yes. and things yes. like that. Um, 
but when I was when I was in my HR um, career, we um, we invested in an, uh, uh, an IT trainer through the Chamber of Commerce who came in and taught everybody how to use Word, Excel, PowerPoint um, to a varying level. So you would say, okay, well, I use Excel a lot in my role. I'm going to go for the um, the advanced course on that. And other people say, well, I don't do that. I'll just go for the basic. And do you know what? The value that we got back, people were learning how to use those software packages and find shortcuts and efficiencies. And I remember one guy said, um, he was a, a senior engineering manager, and he said, this training has now just saved me two days a week, every fortnight, yeah. in just knowing how to shortcut something. Yeah. So, the you know, just... Teach someone how to use a daily tool more effectively yeah. like that than just assume they'll know how to use yeah. those Absolutely. things. Plus, what it did was it, it uh, reduced the reliance on the IT help desk and it freed up the time of our sort of development team so they could focus on, you know, other, other things. You know, they could kind of sort of focus on, you know, sort of developing life management capability or they could focus on sort of... Um, uh, sort of, um, you know, we ran a um, a, uh, a program, um, and I'm gonna, I can't forget it. it Springboard, that was called, and it was for um, administrators, and it was um, about again about sort of developing confidence, ability in themselves, being able to sort of present, speak to clients, all that sort of kind of thing, and it was about it was predominantly aimed towards um, women. There is a male version of it, but it was, you know, it's about improving confidence in the workplace in a number of areas that they would do. And so, you know, just the basics, taking the kind of, you know, how do I, what do I press to get, you know, kind of this on that. Yeah. Took all of that away, and then we could focus on, you know, sort of both sort of personal development and career development. I don't want to. I don't want to jump ahead to kind of you as the HR leader that you are now. Yeah. But would you say it is what you learned from being in an organisation like that, who were very innovative, that has kind of given you the methodologies that you have now and the the approach that you have about um, how people should be treated and how we invest in our um, employees. I think I think it definitely gave me um, a really good grounding of not accepting the norm, if you know what I mean. You know, to to push those boundaries, to look at other ways. Um, I spend a fair amount of um, uh, my own time, kind of, you know, looking at sort of other organisations, not just within the property sort of sphere, but you know, what are what are good organisations doing? You know, sort of, um, can you talk to people sort of in there? What can we utilise to make our employee experience as good as it possibly can be? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, but so that experience of working for the virus was fantastic. You know, it kind of, it challenged me, challenged my thinking, challenged me to kind of not just go, okay, well, this is, you know, this is the way it is and this is sort of the box that sort of um, HR sits in. Okay, you know, let's push it. Let's kind of really push the boundaries and sort of see what we can do and how can we do it better. And that is a constant question that we ask: How can we do it better? Yeah, yeah. So, how did you feel then? So you come from nursing, you'd come into this, you know, yeah. a, a year in. How did you feel? Did you feel as though, yes, this is what I was yeah. looking for? Yeah, for definite. Um, I loved the interaction with the business, you know, the business element of it um, and the impact of, you know, um, that you can have through people, that the, the, the impact that people can sort of make themselves um, and helping them to grow and develop and be the best that they can possibly be, um, then I think, you know, that, that's brilliant. Because it elevates us all, yeah. you know, it makes us all be better. Um, and sometimes, you know, um, and I've said I've said this in a in a post, is that you know sometimes I love where I am at 
the moment, but I accept that it's not right for everybody. And sometimes you see somebody come and grow and their dream job is somewhere else. And with the best will in the world, I'll, you know, I'll sort of say, that's fantastic. But we've done the right thing, you know, while you've been here. And that's, you know, so rather than seeing sort of people as resources that you kind of all like chest bonds that you sort of, you know, that you sort of pieces that you kind of move around, you know, they are they are fantastic, amazing people and we invest and support them. And those that love us will stay and those that don't love us as much will go with our blessing somewhere else yeah. and grow and develop there. But we still have a relationship with them. It's yeah. still kind of sort of um, means that, you know, at some point in the future, they may want to come back. Yeah. I I, I was taught that by a managing director once of, yeah. of, you know, somebody wants to leave and it's going to enhance their life in some yeah. way, whether it's a, a step up, a pay rise, a shorter commute, more yeah. time with their family, whatever that move gives them that improves their life. Be sorry to see them go because, you know, if they've been a great asset, but thank them for everything they've done and, and, and congratulate them on their next step in their life and have no bitterness. And, yeah. you know, just sometimes things come to an end and it's going to make your own life a little bit hard because you're now going to have to find somebody to replace them. But you know what? It's, the human element of it all is say, thank you for everything that you've done for us. We wish you all the best. And if you ever yeah. want to come back, we you know welcome you back with open arms. Yeah. And it's that exact same philosophy, really. And it stuck with me. Yeah, yeah. And and you see that in other organisations. One of the um, organisations that I really like there on their approach is Tinson's. Okay. Uh, you know, kind of sort of the you know the person who, the company that sort of do the keys and yeah. Sort of and they have an amazing philosophy. Um, you know, they really do kind of go out of their way to to kind of sort of look and support. Um, and they, again, accept that people's happiness may be elsewhere. But while they're with them, you know, they, they understand that um, people might get into to debt. So they've got somebody specifically dedicated to helping them get out of debt. You know, they may need somebody who kind of just needs somebody to specifically to um, so in that instance, I can remember where uh, they um, went and, you know, landlord may not want to take them. So they've gone and they've spoken to the landlord. They've, you know, they've also, you know, given loans so that they can do the deposit. You know, and I think that is going yeah, next step. That is next, absolutely. That's completely next step. And I just think it's amazing. It's absolutely um, fantastic, um, you know, because people don't leave their lives at the door, you know, um, you know, pre-pandemic when people were coming into office, people don't leave those lives at the door. They come with them. And whether they've had a good morning or a bad morning or they've, you know, something has cracked off over the weekend, that comes with them and it impacts on the, on the job. And so whatever you can do to support them is really important. Yeah. Can I ask something? How... Yeah. You've you've referenced or you mentioned something just slightly before, and and it was it stuck in the back of my head. I was going to bring it up later, but you just said then about Timpsons. So do you do you as a as a person or as a HR leader, do you go out and try and research on other organisations to find these best practices, or is it just yeah. do you just pick up on it from hearing things? It's a mix. Um, so some of it is kind of sort of reading and looking at what other organisations are doing, particularly if they're being a bit disruptive, a bit different. We all like a bit of disruption. <laughs> we decided. Um, and, um, and but yes, I will go and research. I'll go and look at organisations. You know, so that's good. I think that's got a great brand. Do you ever then contact them and... Sometimes, yes, and sort of say, well, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear what you're doing, how you're doing it, and that sort of your sort of approach. Because um, that's something I don't having a think happens enough. I, yeah. I think we're all very, we'll read something great, but then we think, oh, I can't, I can't engage with them. You know, if, if you're thinking, yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to implement that concept into our business, but I'd and I really need to kind of chat it through with them. Yeah. We're very um, 
kind of uh we just we just don't do that do we do we don't think right i'll connect with them on linkedin send them a message and see if they'll have a phone call or a video call or we almost think oh no you know they'll think badly of me wanting to um, find out this amazing stuff that they're doing they'll yeah. think you know i'm not telling you yeah and i think we should do that a lot more you know if you if you identify somebody doing something amazing in another organization and you want to um in some way replicate it or just yeah. get the understanding of the structure and the framework of how they've done it you know if somebody approached me i'd be more than happy to share that information and yeah. actually when you when you flip it around and say well, if somebody asked you would you be open to telling them everybody goes oh yes of course I would yeah we never when we think of us approaching somebody we always think they're going to say no to us or rebuff us um it's a bit like isn't it well I mean you must you must know kind of sort of in in your um, career is that people are nervous of rejection yeah so when you go for an interview and you don't get it sometimes you don't even want the job but you want them to still want you yeah you know and it's that and maybe that's why people sort of don't yeah, that's why I was rubbish and asking girls out. I didn't, I couldn't <laughs> handle the rejection of it all. It's, but it is, it's a human, nobody wants, we all want to be wanted. Um, nobody wants someone to say no to us because we think yeah. it's a um, an assault of us as a person. Um, yes. And often, often it's not. Um, yeah. uh, but it, it's about stepping out of your comfort zone, trying something. Ask ask five times and you'll be amazed how many times you'll get a yes versus a no. This is it completely. So, you know, over the past year of the sort of the, the pandemic, you know, I've had uh, various people reach out, you know, I'm, I'm interested in sort of HR, you know, or, or actually I don't know, you know, I'm going through HR in a pandemic, I don't know if it's kind of sort of for me, would you be prepared to have a chat? Yeah. More than, you know, let's have a, let's have a virtual coffee. Let's see how it's going. You know, kind of where, what's your situation? Tell me about it. Um, and then we tend to sort of talk it through. And I always leave the door open, you know, if you want to come back and sort of have a follow-up, then sort of let's, yeah, yeah. let's do it. Um, it. It can be it can be a lonely place, particularly if you are um, standalone in HR. Um, and so, um, you know, anything that we can do to support each other um, you know, to sort of say, look, you know, it probably looks a bit bleak right now, but you know, tomorrow's another day. Yeah. 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 So let's get back on track of the story yeah. then, because we've we're only we're only two jobs in and we're half an hour <laughs> in. Um so you were with Nabarro for seven years. So yeah. it sounds it all sounds absolutely amazing. The listeners will be thinking, wow, what a dream organization that was, you know, for for you at the very early stage of your career. Yes. So the obvious question is, why did you leave? Um, well, I'd done well, I'd done seven years, you know, and it's it's that thing, isn't it? Sometimes seven year itch. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, and I, you know, you kind of sort of think, oh, you know, can I do it? Can I do it somewhere else? Can I do something different? It's that kind of thing. Um, and a job came up. Um, which I just thought this was amazing. It was a startup, so for a government. So it was a non-departmental public body startup, and it was a HR manager. And you literally got to do everything from scratch. You know, you got to. Which is rare in the government, government. you know, from a public sector. How often does it set everything yeah. up from scratch come along? So we um, and uh, uh, it was just. I never worked with trade unions before, um, and I just thought, you know what, this is just a, a dream of an opportunity if I can get it. So let me um, let me ask you something that you'd gone from professional services, yeah. and you were this role came up within the public sector. Now a lot of people have a perception, rightly or wrongly, about yeah. roles within the public sector. Did that have any? sway on your thinking thinking hang on it's going to be a lot of bureaucracy within this role or did was did did not even come into it you just thought actually this is an amazing opportunity here I thought it would I thought it was an amazing opportunity um I thought it would come with some um red tape but then most most jobs do you know sort of um uh 
every job has its frustrations at times. Um, and I just thought this is such a, a fantastic sort of opportunity. It's going to give, you know, add another sort of string to the bow, um, great experience, and, you know, and also to do a, a startup, you know, setting everything up absolutely kind of sort of from scratch. How amazing is this? Did you think you had a chance? Because listening to that, so somebody who's come from a, <laughs> a very large organisation with a very... Yeah. Um, very forward-thinking, established HR function. And the profile they're looking for is essentially someone who can join. So it's a, it's, if I think about from my recruitment head on now, yeah. public sector, they'd rather say, okay, someone who's worked in that field before, great. Yeah. Startup, well, we'd like somebody who has been through setting something up from scratch before again. Yeah. Working with the unions, well, we'd like somebody who has ideally got experience with the unions. I'm thinking of your profile, thinking, well, hang on, you're not ticking any of these boxes yet. So you're a very brave person for applying, or you're very naive, or yeah. or you think both. Yeah, why not? <laughs> don't throw your hat in the ring, you know. Don't buy a ticket. You're never going to win, are you? Completely. And and this has always probably been my approach, and what I would encourage others to do is, you know what, you may not get it, but you won't get it if you don't apply. There's a saying, and I can never remember the saying, but I love it. It's something like, you will always, you'll have 100% success at all. I'm fluffing it again now, and I can never get it right. It's it's something, isn't it, about sort of, you know, you'll never um, hit 100% of the shots you don't take. Yes, that's that's Yeah, something something along that line. And it's true. It is, I I believe it. I, I say it to people all the time, and they say, Oh, do you think I'll have a chance? And I said, like, look, I personally, I wouldn't be talking to you if I didn't think you did, yeah. because I know you and and I know that this, I think we can put a, a strong um, application forward. But equally, if you don't try, you, you definitely won't get it. Yeah. We've got nothing to lose by putting your application. The worst is a no. And maybe that goes back to what we were just talking about, about we all hate rejection. But yeah. the worst that you can get is a thank you for your application, but unfortunately... Blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting. Um, immediately sort of, and maybe this was the thing that prompted it. I'd applied for another job. Yeah. Uh, I've got that seven-year age, and I'd applied for another job and interviewed for it. And they had written back, and it's the best ever feedback I've ever had, and by letter in those days. Um, and, she, <laughs> and she just said to me, you're applying too low, you know, you, you need to, you know, aim more for the stars in terms of where you're applying, you are applying, you know, you need to really drive that sort of career because you can do it and I can see you can do it and this isn't the role for you and with that I saw the advert for uh, gangbusters and thought, you know what, I'm going to give it a go and I did. Well, sometimes it just takes an independent person to... Yeah give you that nudge doesn't it you think well yeah. they don't know me but yet they're telling me I'm aiming too low yeah I'm all I'm also chuckling thinking to everybody who has frustrations about not getting a feedback on an application in this day and age when we live in a yeah. instantaneous email somebody went to the courtesy of typing you a letter folding yeah. it up putting an envelope writing an address on it sticking a stamp on it taking it to a postbox <laughs> And yet we can't even be asked yes. to write in an email response these days. So yeah. thanks for application, but no. And, and it's so true. Sign of the yeah. times, isn't it? Sign, sign of the times. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I went so you got the job. Places. I got the job. So talk to me, about, because this sound, you know, this is a pendulum shift from one extreme all the way over to the other here. So how did you... Let's think about maybe listeners now who are thinking of going for something out of their comfort zone and going to a role that is is very, very different to what they've done. How did you gain success in that role then? So how did you learn very quickly about the stuff that you didn't know? So, I mean, the focus for gang masters at that time was about protecting uh, vulnerable workers um, in a sort of... Uh, agricultural, horticultural, food processing and packaging. So that's why um, the department have been set up 
Yes, and that had been set up actually on the back of the uh, Cockle Bay disaster, okay. uh, where um, uh, Chinese immigrants had lost their lives, um, sort of um, picking um, cockles on Morgan Bay. Very close to me, in fact, that. Yeah. Mm. So um, I literally, um, I was doing the day job, you know, trying to get everything kind of set up and everything from, you know, uh, the contractor to policies to, a new HR system to, you know, recruiting everybody. Um, but also I made sure I went and spent time uh, with those at the shop. So I went and spent time with enforcement officers. I had a lovely nighttime visit to a, um, a, a sort of a, a chicken sort of hen house. Um, uh, I went and spent time with compliance officers. Um, I went and spent time with the intelligence team. Um, I just spent time all over the business getting to know actually what they did, how the licensing team, what they did, how they did it, why we were doing it, uh, the issues that we were facing. Um, I made some contacts, some really good contacts um, in uh, other um, uh, departments. So I had a really great contact in um, HMRC um, and uh, Natural England and um, just went off and spoke to them about the whole bureaucracy. So I'm going to ask, I'm just going to ask you something. Yeah. Just in case some people will be questioning this. So why did you do all that? Because that's not, that's not the job of you doing HR and setting a team up and a function. So why did you bother with all that effort? Because how can I advise the business appropriately if I don't understand the business? Um, and for every HR person, they have to understand the business. What does it, what are the business goals? What's the strategy? What's it trying to achieve? What are the what are the issues? You know, when I when I was at the law um, firm, I always I I used to do floor walks. You know, and I'd go around and sort of you know chat and and it, oh my god, it would be amazing what you could pick up. You know, what are the frustrations of actually some of the people who are, you know, at the sharp end? You know, what what are the, the issues? Um, you know, what works well? What doesn't work well? And that then informs your HR strategy and your team approach. And so, you know, for gang masters, it was like, I have to understand it. I have to understand it really quickly um, because it informs everything that we do from a sort of a HR sort of function. Um, and that means, yes, I need to go around. I need to be at the sharp end. I need to understand what's happening. In you, order you, to... you essentially, you can't, if you just tie yourself to your desk, you can't do Completely. this stuff, can yeah. you? You can't yeah. be the best HR professional no. that an organisation needs if you're just yeah. going to hide behind your monitor yeah. Um, yeah. and sit at your desk all day. You have to get out yeah. and... And embed yourself in that organisation because it's those conversations that give you the yes. gold that you're looking for. Completely. They give you those nuggets, you know, and there's things that sometimes you can do that are really simple that make life easier for, for people. So, um, so yes, I think. Uh, and also that sort of commercial awareness. You've got to, again, when you're kind of sort of, as you're progressing, there's got to be a commerciality. So, you know, you've got to understand the finances, you've got to understand the, you know, kind of, sort of the operational side, you've got to understand sort of the kind of, sort of marketing, but, uh, but also the, um, you know, the sharp end of sort of doing it, because without it, I think you haven't got a credibility to provide, you know, the advice. Yeah, I think that applies to um, to anybody in any role, personally. Yeah. I, I I don't think this is relative to HR. I think no matter what profession you're in, to fully add the or give the biggest impact that you can give to an organisation and add the most value that you can have, you can only do that by truly embedding yourself within it, learning it, understanding what all the other functions do and how all the dots are all joined up in the place yeah. that you work. And once you've created that jigsaw from all of those pieces, then you know what you're working with, and then you yeah. can understand how your role fits in and where, and, yeah. and how you can also drive then the change. Because yes. I think you can functionally come in and do a job without knowing that stuff, yeah. but you're never going to be able to change anything 
until you've got the big picture. Completely, completely agree. Yeah, but so many people don't. Yeah, and this and and that's where you sometimes get the reputation that they don't understand, too remote, not approachable, um, not relevant, um, and you you so have to understand the big picture. Yeah. Okay. So. So how did that? You, so you 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 embedded yourself. You set it all up. Um, you... We went we went through three different chief executives. Uh, we went through um, the red tape challenge. The change of government. Um, so I bet that's um, interesting, isn't it? <laughs> that's very interesting. So we've got up to at that point. So I went from HR manager to head of HR. We um, and also we, um, in terms of the change of government, it changed the, the focus. It, it cut the budget. We had to go through a big restructure. Um, and um, but you know, kind of sort of working with um, hand in hand uh, with the unions. And I have to say, um, although they, uh, you know, sometimes could be adversarial, we had a, we did have a really good relationship with them. Um, and uh, they were very helpful on occasions um, in terms of that sort of working relationship. But I put a lot of work into building that relationship and yeah. making sure that it worked. Keep your enemies close. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, keep your friends close, your enemies close. That's the one, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, shouldn't say that. I'll edit that bit out. I won't. <laughs> okay, and then, and then again seven years later you like you've, you've definitely got a seven year itch haven't you i have well at that point so i did six and a half years and they were offering really good terms on voluntary redundancy um and i think by that point to be fair um the private sector was calling me back i'd had enough of the bureaucracy there was a lot um and i just felt ready for the for something sort of fresh do something sort of um, different and a, and a bit of a change. So I decided, I put my application in, um, I got it accepted, and then uh, decided, right, okay, find something new. Okay, and then you joined Fisher German Fisher where you German. are now? I, I did, yes, that's correct. You're um, very loyal, aren't you, really? You've not had a lot of movement on your CV. You, you, I've been nervous if I was your boss and we're getting towards seven years, but apart from... <laughs> Apart from nine years this time. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. I've always said I'll never be a caretaker. Just me, and I won't just kind of sort of turn up, take the money, and watch it tick over. Um, and in if I look back, although that's been sort of, you know, there's been stability, you know, I haven't kind of sort of moved every couple of years or whatever. I've always been in a position where I've been doing something different. You know, I said that right at the beginning, I like variety. I did a lot of projects at the bars. I um, I did a lot of work, uh, different types of work in terms of sort of gang masters. You know, we again, we did sort of restructures. We did um, uh, sort of whole things around sort of reward. We did, um, you know, kind of consultations in unions. So, you know, it was different. And at the point when it became sort of steady state, that was the point where I thought, you know, now's the time to probably sort of move on. And there's a lot of bureaucracy. Um, and it's been the same, I have to say, with um, Fisher German. You know, when I started, we had about 220 in the business. Um, and there was me and one other. And now we're up to, where are we? Just under 600. Wow. Um, we've got... That's not your team, that's the organisation. <laughs> Oh no, not my team. That was <laughs> I wish. Um, so no, so six hundred people. The team sits at sort of around nine, um, uh, with sort of focus on early careers and recruitment, and because um, it's incredibly difficult to find rural charter surveyors. So uh, and L and D and uh, you know kind of um, HR sort of. Uh, I've got a great and fantastic HR manager, but I have to say, I've got a great team i've got a really fantastic sort of team and that, and that you're not just saying that because they might listen to this you do mean not that. at all no i gen they know they do know how much i sort of value them um you know they they make me look very good 
Um, and uh, I mean, that's and what it's all about. Get a team that makes <laughs> you look good. This is it. And, and then also, take all the credit. Uh, uh, well, I'm a big believer. I always sort of say this, um, you know, I'm not um, necessarily kind of sort of the, the expert in the room or the one with the, the best ideas, you know. So, you know, everybody has a valid contribution. Um, we And that, I think that's one of the things that we particularly missed um, during the pandemic is, you know, we used to have a lot of healthy debate yeah. about, you know, what we were going to do, the way we would do it, the approach, that sort of type of thing, challenge each other, you know, kind of all that thinking. Um, and um, that, you know, that's been sort of, we, we've tried to do take this sort of change, but it's never as good as the organic conversation that you have yeah. um, in, in an office. But no, brilliant team. And I, I'm, to be honest, the organisation is brilliant. Well, um, so before we jump ahead, because you, you, yeah. you, you're starting to go down the routes that I kind of we, we, I wanted to get yeah. us to, but I want to I want to put it into a formality. So I want to ask you two two questions now. Okay. Yeah. So, um, the second question, so the latter part of it, I want you to tell us about all the amazing stuff that you're doing because you've you've shared with some of the stuff with me, like the bring your dog to work and you've got kennels and all that stuff. People think this is just phenomenal. So I want want you to tell us about all this brilliant stuff because you've got some really inclusive ideas that you have at at Fisher German. But the first part of it, and this is, I think, um, the second part is just really nice stuff to talk about. Um, The first part of it, how do you step up to be a HR leader? So from... so, you know, if I think about people who could have this direct audience with you now and, and have yeah. the privilege of being able to ask you the questions like I do, what I would want to know is I'm a HR advisor or somebody who has aspirations to get to kind of up to your level, how do you develop as a HR leader? So have you just, because, um, you know, for me, I'm, you know, we, I just shared with you before this. I'm I'm now at the point I'm about to employ my first person, and I've been yeah. thinking, been thinking for a year about what type of leader, employer, boss I want to be, the culture I have, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I've been le- I've been reading loads of books, I've been listening to audio books, I've been picking, I've been trying to absorb as much as I can do. How have you done it? Have you just are you a natural leader or have you gone out and have you been on courses? Have you learned? How do you, because being a, a leader of a, a team, not, not as in yeah, yeah. the leader of the H, you know, people across the organization, but just within your team, how do you do that? Um, and be good at it is probably the best. <laughs> the, the ending. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, I think uh, yeah, I think everybody, in all honesty, would sort of say this. They've made mistakes along the way, you know. That um, that it uh, it's uh, easy, I think, to think that you can do it well. And uh, actually, the reality of it is um, is quite hard. Um, I genuinely care um, about my team and the people in the organisation. You know, I really do care, and I want them to to do well I'm invested in them in terms of their their personal development and their their growth um uh, they always laugh when I say oh this is a great development opportunity uh, <laughs> which that's is just, not code for shit job Sorry. I was gonna say that's just a, that's just a hook of getting someone to do something that honestly it'd be a great personal development opportunity for you. <laughs> great yeah this is it um but I do. I I stretch them and push them. But I also coach, mentor, support, uh, pick them up when it's kind of uh, not on 100% right. And I always say that, do you know what? We're human. Things will happen. It may not go, go right. And as long as you can sort of tell me what you've learned from it, you know, that's fine. It's not a, you know, I'm not working in a blame culture. I'm not picking or highlighting sort of things that haven't gone right. But if we can all learn from it and we have a team sort of learning culture, you know, what could we have done better? How could we approach this? 
um, you know, what have we learned from it? What's been in the the impact of that? But how how have you learned to be like that? Is it is it just uh, the way you are, or is it because you've taken the best bits of people who've managed you over the years, or have you yeah. read it? So how how I think it's everything. I think it's everything. I think that's everything. Everything of that. A lot of reading. A lot of looking at sort of you know, what good leaders do in sort of other organisations. I think... Um, so I guess, you know, are you, you, you self-aware then as a leader and, think, and thinking, what, how do I want to be and, and what are others going to perceive from my mm, actions? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a great boss as well who's, who's really kind of inspiring. Um, and I think... I just want to it's hard isn't it part of it I think is me and, yeah. and by which I think is that sort of it's it, I am me what you see is what you get um, and I genuinely sort of care but I also want to constantly improve um, and it you know and it comes back to the you know looking at other organizations about what uh, how they're doing stuff but also looking at leaders and what are they doing and how are they sort of um, driving things forward so you know um it, it it's all of that on a on a very regular basis um i'm very um conscious of the stuff that i that i don't get right um you know and i definitely will put my hands up and say you know if to the team well you know uh, i didn't get that right um, you know, I'm sorry, or uh, let's look at that. What can we learn from it? Um, I always ask for feedback. You know, I'll do, when I'm doing my one-to-ones, what can I do better? How can I support you better? Um, you know, what should I start doing? You know, don't be afraid to kind of sort of um, speak out. So let um, me ask you a slightly different question based yeah. on this then. So you do care, you do invest in your team, you, you, you believe in them and you want to kind of give them autonomy to, to excel. Yeah. Does that make it harder when you have to have a difficult conversation with somebody because you're so caring about the team and you're so kind of invested in them? So you're, you're, you're amongst them rather than being in a, you know, the ivory tower kind of where you're you know or yeah. we can't we can't talk to Maria because the door's shut kind of thing yeah. um and I think sometimes when you're that kind of offish it makes the difficult conversations easier because people <laughs> don't really have a relationship with you anyway but when you do yeah. have that relationship it makes the, the difficult questions or sorry the difficult um, conversations yeah. harder at times as well it's I mean if we're getting into what you know why is that conversation difficult? It's difficult for me, not difficult for the person. Is it? You know, ultimately, I build that conversation up because I'm finding that difficult. Um, and so, um, I think because the team know me and they know that I care, the conversation is going to be a coaching conversation. You know, um, in terms of there'll be lots of questions, and hopefully they will get to the point. Um, I'm helping them kind of sort of get to that sort of point as opposed to me just going in and go, do you know what, that, one, that wasn't great or, yeah. or this kind of sort of thing, you know, and, and okay, talk me through what happened, uh, what do you think could have been better, how can you deal with it sort of next time, what is your learning from this, um, do you, you know, do you think you were prepared as, as much as you should have been? Um, you know, did that cost more than we thought it was going to do? Is it more than budget? That that kind of sort of thing. Because I really don't. Um, people know tend to know themselves, and they're going to beat themselves up much harder than yeah. me doing it. Um, and so uh, it's you know, and having picked the team, I've been lucky enough to hand pick the team. I you know, I know how much the team care about its service delivery to the business. And so, you know, uh, if we're if we're getting it wrong, then you know, uh, uh, they're more likely to to kick themselves than me to do it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So, 
just tell us about some of the amazing stuff then that goes on at, at Fish and Jamie, because <laughs> this is the bit, this is the this is the only reason I wanted to get you on, really. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, you mentioned the dogs. Um, so we, uh, we used to be um, in the um, in the sort of the main office. Uh, we used to be in kind of a, a sort of a, uh, quite an old-fashioned um, office, and actually, uh, dogs were in the in the building um, because uh, if you're a rural surveyor, you are likely to be going out onto an estate. With a Land Rover and your Labrador or your Springer Spaniel or that sort of thing. Um, and what we do now is because we moved to a, a very nice um, building and office park, etc., um, we said to everybody uh, who had, do you want to be, and they called it uh, the Kennel Club. So we provided the land, they set up the sort of the kennels, and people can bring their dogs to work and put them in the kennel and then. You know, go get them at lunchtime and um, take them sort of for a walk. And, it, it, you know, it's all part of that sort of um, well-being, isn't it? You know, A, getting out at lunchtime, not sort of sat at your desk and eating your lunch or working sort of through it. But also, you know, dogs are quite calming. And they... Uh, and they my have, my they dog's sort of... probably not that calm. <laughs> but, yeah, generally... <laughs> Um, uh, but I think you know it's good for people's health and well-being. We were all respectful that some people don't like dogs or kind of quite nervous, which is why we kind of sort of did the the kennels. Um, uh, and so uh, you know that that works really well. And you know we have a range of sort of arrangements across the organisation. Um, and we do things like we've just done a whole round of sort of wellness Wednesdays, everything from resilience programs to um, you know live yoga, online yoga, um, as I'm sure sort of lots of sort of organisations are doing. We have a great um, program uh, which is called Pathway to Partnership. Um, so those people um, who are kind of on the the rung below uh, and looking to sort of step up. Um, and we start with, um, which was quite daunting, 360-degree feedback. Um, and this is kind of sort of, you know, fed back to them. Um, and then they have an interview with our senior partner uh, committee. Um, and if they then get onto the programme, they do. And it's a year-long programme. Um, and we use a fantastic organisation called um, PDW, and they, they use actors and uh, video so you can go back and sort of say well this is how I interacted in this instance you know I want to go back and replay that I want to you know sort of practice how I come across or how I deal with a team issue or a difficult conversation or that kind of thing. Wow. and then we repeat the 360 at the end so that you can and oh my god the difference you know people have moved so much um, and then they have a further interview sort of with the senior partner committee and then if, if they go through then they can get voted on in terms of sort of going into the partnership and that's quite a, uh, an investment in, in that. We have, you know, as I'm sure other organisations will have, you know, management uh, development uh, sort of... Um, but you really, uh, you really do invest in your people, don't you? Yeah. In all, yeah, in all aspects. It's not... And in, and, and in early careers as well. So we have, um, you know, we have a degree level apprentices. We have places some students. We've just literally um, yesterday finished our Insight into Surveying program. So for those um, uni students who are uh, non-cog um, and have an interest in property, we've just done a, an online online sorry um, two-week um, program Insight program, so they can get a feel and understanding. We've presenters from across the business. Um, we've also used an external trainer to help aid their sort of soft skills, uh, uh, and we've had the most um, fabulous feedback from it. You know, so people who may have been thinking of um, entering the profession are now going, yeah, actually, I'm really excited. It's kind of something for me. We've also just um, uh, scored and marked, uh, and they're interviewing today. 600, so 660 applications for our summer student program. Wow. So, so we're interviewing, uh, and, and that's paid, paid of somewhere between six to 12 weeks. The student decides, you know, how long they want to sort of commit for um, and what area of the business that they're interested in. It's because amazing. We've got, 
different sort of things going. So we put a lot of investment around our early careers. And then those those that are graduates, again, we have trained specific training days for them. Uh, we have support in terms of supervisors, counsellors. We have what's called a, uh, they're called a doctor and they'll come in from a different uh, area of business and sit down and make sure the graduate's getting the support that they need, the experience that they need in order to go forward for qualification. Um, we do mock interviews because they have a, in order to pass, they have to do an interview um, to be a, a surveyor. And we do mock interviews and they're held by sort of people who assess for um, the regulatory body as well. Yeah. So there's a lot of investment in terms of early careers and we have a really good reputation for getting people through their uh, assessment of professional competence. I mean, yeah, some of that is is very, very um, forward thinking, um, heavily invested in in that that kind of talent at all stages yeah. through through it. It's it is amazing, and um, yeah, thank you for sharing that because some people will blow their blow their minds given kind of what their companies provide to people. So, just to very very kind of finish off then, so. Last question, what advice would you give to um, either the younger you or somebody who has aspirations to um, reach, you know, HR director type level similar to yourself? Yeah, for some bizarre reason, um, HR seems to be quite difficult to get into. Uh, and I see um, posts from individuals who are struggling to get into it and thinking about giving up. And my advice is don't. The break will come. It, it will come somewhere um, and you may have to start at a different position than you thought you would have to start at. If it's something that you really want to do, um, then, then do it. Um, don't accept the norm. Um, uh, into, you know, once, you're, once you're working in it, don't accept the norm. You know, what? How can we do this better, thicker, differently? How can we improve the employee experience? So, Actually, they want to join and they want to stay and they want to grow with us. That would be my main advice. Amazing. Maria, thank you so much. That was brilliant. Thank you very much for, for coming on. Is this room free? Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And there we have it. Another show done. Thank you for listening. If you do enjoy the show, please do like and review it on whichever platform it is that you listen to your podcast, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google. Um, also, why not tell a friend as well? Get them involved. Share the wealth around. Um, feedback is greatly appreciated as well. You can um, reach me on LinkedIn. Any feedback is really, really appreciated because that goes back into helping the show be what it is that you want um, and I can tailor it to make sure that I'm asking the questions that, that you guys think are relevant. But thanks again and see you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Hire People, a recruitment agency specialising in the HR and marketing professions. I have been an internal recruitment manager and a HR manager using the services of agencies. Some good, mostly poor. I have also been a job seeker who has been on the receiving end of poor service from every recruitment agency I have applied for a job through. It left me feeling despondent, non-supported and like a statistic. So I decided to do a Gandhi and be the change that I wanted to see in the world. Hire People was born from that desire to not only run a recruitment agency that has standards, but continuously drive those standards higher. This has come by offering a market leading six month 100% rebate, the innovation of a 3D CV concept that provides a video summary as well as the traditional CV for each candidate. And we place the focus on service, not sales. So if you're interested in working with us, Get in touch and let's see how we can help you.